notice that the Lord did this. He struck Azariah. And we don't like the thought of God himself afflicting us, but he does at times, and he, makes his, he has his reasons for doing so. To the fragrance of spring Every creature is unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God All powerful, untamable All struck we fall to our knees As we humbly proclaim You are amazing God Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Azariah violated what had become a general principle in God's dealing with Israel, that no king should also be a priest and that the offices of prophet, priest, and king should not be combined in one man until the Messiah who fulfilled all three offices. Azariah came into the temple as an arrogant king, and he left as a humbled leper. Indeed, he hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. About him in Second Chronicles chapter 26. So maybe somewhere in the top of the chapter here, write Second Chronicles 26, because that's the other part of the scripture that gives more information about uh, filling in some of the blanks, what we're going to be talking about tonight. And you'll also recall that Isaiah spoke of Uzziah in Isaiah chapter 6. In the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the, the Lord high and lifted up and the train filled, his train filled the temple. This is the Uzziah that he is referring to because Uzziah and uh, Isaiah the prophet were contemporaries of one another. So Isaiah 6 and 7, you're going to see him spoken of there and also in the opening verses of Hosea and Amos who are both uh, pre-exilic prophets. Does everybody understand what pre-exilic means? It means before they went into exile. So Israel at this point hasn't gone into exile. They're right on the edge. We're going to see in the next two chapters, they're going to go into exile. So these prophets have been prophesying, and so they call them pre-exilic prophets, meaning they prophesied before either uh, Israel or Judah had gone into exile. And they're always warning them to turn away from their sin, because if they don't, God is going to take them into exile. The point being is that if God sends a prophet and, and tries to uh, tell them what they're doing wrong, and then encourages them to repent of their sin, and they do, then God can stop this army that's coming for them, right? Because God can control that, can't he? And so that's what a pre-exilic prophet is. And then there are other prophets who are exilic prophets, those who prophesied during the exile. People, uh, folks like um, uh, Daniel and Jeremiah, those are good examples of uh, exilic prophets. And there's other post-exilic prophets like Zechariah and, um, and, and Malachi, I believe. 
And so, Azariah, or Uzziah, he was co-regent with his father, meaning while his father was uh, waning in his reign, uh, Amaziah, um, excuse me, these names are so close that if you're not careful, you can mix them up. So Azariah was co-regent with his father, Amaziah, for the last 25 years of Amaziah's reign, which was 792 to 767, for those who are interested in those kinds of dates. And then Jehoash, according to 2 Kings 14, verses 13 and 14, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, he took him hostage for a season in Samaria until Joash died, and then uh, Amaziah was let go. But Azariah, this king that we're speaking of now, he reigned for a total of 52 years, from 792 to 740 B.C., the second longest reigning king in Israel, or Judah. The only one who reigned longer was Manasseh for 55 years. So a very long time. So verse 2, it says, He, speaking of Azariah, was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except the high places were not removed and the people sacrificed still, and they burned incense on the high places. So just like his father Amaziah, Azariah started off well. He started off well, but he didn't finish well. And it's important to not only start off well, but to finish well. Right? Don't you want to finish well? I don't want to start my Christian life and do everything really well and draw close to God. And then in my latter years of, of my walk with him, I, I just kind of walk away. And I, I, you know, I still got my salvation, but you know, we can get lazy and we can do stupid things. And I don't want to be that person who gets careless because we have to be watchful all the time. We can't take a vacation from our, our relationship with Christ. And if you're really loving him and allowing him to love you, it's not really a chore. It's not really a, a difficult thing to do. It's really just like breathing. It's just walking. And it really ought not to be a big thing. But we do have to be watchful. And if you're loving him, you're going to be watchful. Because you know the, the things that are out there that are going to trip you up. You know the devil's devices. You know what he's trying to do. But notice that Azariah only went so far in ridding Judah from its idolatrous practices and habits. He didn't remove the high places, and the people still sacrificed and burned incense on them. But the people of Judah, the people of Israel actually, they were to worship in one place, weren't they? They were to worship in one place. God had told them that they were to worship in one place. Right in the margin of this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 10 through 13, and I'm going to read it to you, because this whole idea of, you'll see it over and over again as these kings come and go, as they're introduced, you'll see uh, very similar refrains that God uses, and this is one of them. He did like he was fine, he started off well just like his dad, but... The high places were still there, and the people continued to burn incense. And so they, they, they were doing well, but they didn't go the full distance. 
But in Deuteronomy chapter 12, beginning in verse 10, this is what God had told Israel before they came into the promised land. Remember, they were on the eastern side of the Jordan after being uh, coming out of Egypt, spending 40 years in the desert. They're just getting ready to come into the promised land, and God sets them down and says, okay, I got some things I need to tell you. And here's the first one, or here's one of them. He says, But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest on all, from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety, then there will be a place where the Lord God, no, excuse me, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you. Notice your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, and all the choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. And so he's saying there's going to be a very specific place that I want you to do this. And of course God would choose Jerusalem. He would choose Jerusalem. But unfortunately these kings of Israel never went the distance. You know there's nothing worse than only going so far and never finishing. You know it's like eating an apple pie. If you're going to eat the apple pie, then eat the apple pie for heaven's sakes. Don't eat like half of it and then leave the other half. Uh, Men, eat the whole thing, right? You don't stop. You eat the whole thing. So if you're going to start it, finish it, (laughs) right? And so, but these kings, they didn't go the distance. God told them to rid their enemies. They didn't do that, and it caused them trouble. And then he tells them to rid these high places that the pagans used to worship and sacrifice up on these places, and they would still use those places up there. They might claim that they were worshiping Yahweh, and that's all fine and good, but God says, no, you got to bring it down here, because here in Jerusalem is where I ought to be worshiped. And don't you think God has the right to say, this is where I want to be worshiped, and this is how I want to be worshiped. It's not up to us. We can't just make it up as we go, right? Because he's holy. And what he says goes. I don't know, does that, does that register with anybody? I mean, some Christians, they read the Bible as if it's like just a, um, um, a suggestion. But it's not a suggestion. They're commandments. And why? Is God just wanting to ruin our fun? No, he, he loves you. But he knows what we're made of. He knows that we're flesh. He knows that we are dust. He knows our propensity. He knows the enemy very well. And he knows what the enemy wants to do to you. And he knows what your flesh is capable of. And so he's going to tell you to be careful. And he's going to give you things to stay away from. But just like that little kid who, when he's told no, he gets right to the edge of whatever it is. And you've, seen, you've heard this analogy before. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to get to the edge and tempt God. That's what tempting God is. God, I know you say it's, it's good that we don't sleep together as you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, he's just living with me. It's okay. We're, we're not doing anything. And God's going, okay, you're, you're, you're tempting me. I know your flesh, and I know what you're capable of doing. And you're saying to yourself, no, it's okay. We've got it under control. Okay, are you sure about that? Oh, yeah. And then next thing you know, it happens. It happens again. 
And then you realize God's word was right all along. Flee fornication. Don't give any chance for the flesh. It will always, always be wanting more and more. It's never, ever satisfied. And so sin, you know, unfortunately, these kings, uh, they never went the distance, and it's going to cost them everything. And we're going to see that very shortly in the next couple of weeks because sin and death are not interested in you just playing with it. In other words, having one toe in in the kingdom and one toe out of the kingdom, doing whatever it is you want, but sin is like a fire. And once you've allowed a cinder to touch you, it's not content until it has consumed you and taken all of you. And that's the way sin works. We don't have the ability, and we think we do, that we can go only so far and then we can stop. Well, see, that's what drug addicts think. They think that sniffing glue is fine. It's all I got to do. I'm not going to go any further. And then pretty soon that's not good enough. Then they go to smoking marijuana. Pretty soon that's not very good, you know, and then they want something a little bit more. Then they're, then they're taking, you know, crack cocaine, and then that's not good enough. And then heroin, and then finally fentanyl, and the list goes on, and then they end up in a morgue. They thought all along, well, I can pull back anytime I want. But that's not the way it is. That is why it's so important to not give an inch to sin. Don't give it an inch, because if you do, it will take a mile, and then it will take two miles, and then it'll take ten miles, and ultimately it will destroy you. Proverbs 27, verse 20 says this. It's an interesting, it, this, this verse popped in my head as I was reading it this, this week. And it says, hell and destruction are never full. In other words, it's never satisfied. It's never satiated. It always wants more. Hell and destruction are never satisfied. They all, it always wants to gather more. So the eyes of men or man are never satisfied. And the words full and satisfied are the same Hebrew word. It means it's never satiated. It always wants more. And that's our nature. And these kings were doing the same thing. And it's a real warning to us. And I know that these verses, these chapters, aren't really exciting because it's really putting our, putting our humanity under the microscope. And it's not really encouraging. But I'm encouraged by the grace of God. I'm encouraged as long-suffering is patience. Because he's patient with these people And he's patient with you too, but we never want to get to the point where we just take that patience for granted because if we do, then we abuse grace. And then we we take it for granted. And we should never take grace for granted. Romans 13 verse 12 says this, and it's a good exhortation for us and also for these kings had they known it. Paul said to the Romans, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light, and let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on, notice, on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And then verse 5, then the Lord struck the king, Azariah, that's who he's talking about, so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house, and Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people of the land. This is what they call being a co-regent. So while the king is in this isolated house, his son Jotham is really um, co-reigning with him. And so the reigns can overlap, and you'll see that in those uh, files that I've got printed out for you. But uh, notice... uh, 
notice that the Lord did this. He struck Azariah. And we don't like the thought of God himself afflicting us, but he does at times, and he, makes his, he has his reasons for doing so. And I started off the service by saying this, but let me read to you Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 11. This is one that we know very well. He says, Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Again, it's about instruction to draw him back, not to just beat him for no reason. He says in verse 7, If you endure chastening, then God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if... You are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So if you're getting busted, praise God. That means he cares about you. I get nervous when I'm doing something wrong and there's silence. And I'm thinking, God's given me a lot of rope to hang myself. A short drop or a long drop and a sudden stop, right? I don't want that. Every, I want him to convict my heart every moment when I'm going astray. I don't want that wiggle room. I don't want that gray. I don't want that lengthy rope. I want that short rope. Keep me like a, like a dog. You know, see those people walking along the road? And they got their pit bull on a very, the guy's got the thing wrapped up, and the dog is like right next to him because he knows that that little poodle across the street is a snack. And if he doesn't hold that dog close to him, the dog's going to go, and he's going to inhale that little poodle. Right? And so I want to be like that master who has the dog close. Lord, keep me that close. Right? Because I don't like poodle. <laughs> don't mind the dog. I just don't want to eat poodle. So he goes on and he says, For they indeed... Um, Furthermore, we've had human fathers who have corrected us, and we've paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he, God, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. See, there's the difference. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that is the difference between a father, and the, of, uh, a father of ours and the world and in the flesh versus our heavenly father. And here is the reason, and you won't find this in this chapter, chapter 15 of Second, Second Kings, you won't find the reason that God struck Azariah. But in Second Chronicles, we do. In Second Chronicles 26, verse 15, it says this, And he, Azariah, made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. But here it is. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped by the Lord, or marvelously helped till he became strong. So here we get a glimpse of why God struck him, because God was helping him and making him famous, but then it went to his head. And it's very easy for that to happen. Uzziah became strong and powerful and very famous. His army became large. He invented instruments of war for the towers and the temple mount, but he was lifted up in pride. What does Proverbs tell us? This is one we know very well. Proverbs 16, verse 18, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
And what does Proverbs 6 tell us, beginning in verse 16? These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And he lists some, but the first one is a proud look. A proud look. God hates pride. And that's exactly what Azariah or Uzziah, that's what his fault was. And it gets even worse than this, because that alone is enough for God to respond to him. But again, Second Kings 15 here doesn't give us the full reason, but in Second Chronicles 26, it gives us an even greater reason why God struck him and how he did it and why he did it. Second Chronicles 26, beginning in verse 16. Let me read it to you. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, who is the only person that's allowed to go into the temple and offer sacrifices or incense? What tribe is it that's only allowed to do that? Levi, and specifically Aaron's sons of Levi. There is no king of Judah who is supposed to go in and take that role upon himself. And so... There is where he's, and then in verse 17 it says, So Azariah, um, the priest, went after him, and with him were eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men, and they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord your God. And think about this. These guys respected this man, but he went in and did something that he was not supposed to do, ever. He deserved death for this. But he was so lifted up in his pride. Hey, I'm really hot stuff. I got everything happening for me. And you know what? The flesh is never satisfied. It wants to do what the holy men are doing. It's not, it's not content on just you know being a military man and making all these exploits. No, they want a piece of the priesthood too because they see the reverence that the people had of the priests. They're like, I want that too. I want that too. I want to be revered in this way and that way. And I want to be, it's all about me. And then the, you can just, the flesh is, it's like a horrible, ugly thing. And, that's, and then the priests are like, you better get out of here right now. And they were furious. And they brought 80 men with him. They were going to carry this man, the king, out of there if necessary. And notice what happened. Verse 19, then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. And so they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. I mean, think about that. It happened quickly. In an instant, it just broke out all over him, and he's freaking out. The priests are going, I don't even want to touch this guy. Let's get the cattle prod or something, and, or you know, lasso him or something. And, and Uzziah sees this happening, and he's realizing his error. He wants to get out of there too because he knows that God had struck him. Yes, God struck him. It tells us that. God did it. We don't like to hear that, do we? That God struck someone. But only the priests. In Numbers 3 verse 10, it tells us that. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.